Hello, 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 and welcome to Dear Fandom Hot Takes Edition. (laughs) (laughs) Where everything you like is terrible, and we're so stoked about it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm Hillary. And I'm Megan. And today we are taking the big kahuna of fandoms. Uh, No, not Interview with the Vampire and Anne Rice novels, but a close second. I I would love like one 17-year-old to be like, God damn it, I I really was hoping my fandom would be addressed today. Um, Just one 17-year-old and nothing but 40-year-old women. (laughs) We are not doing any Cassandra Clare today. Actually, kind of, because Cassandra Clare started off as a Harry Potter fan fiction writer. Anyway, so... um, Oh, God. So there's just so much ground to be covered. So, um... We're Joe Rowling is under a lot of fire recently. She's in a lot of hot water because she has basically revealed herself to be a giant flaming turf, and um, she published a huge essay on her blog, you know, yeah. happily saying that she's a turf without using those words. I mean, that, that was a that was a really like I, I got like two sentences into that, and I was like. Oh, it just gets worse. I read the whole thing because I was like, all right, you know, she did write my favorite book series ever. I have to be fair. And then I read to the end. I was like, I really shouldn't have just wasted my time with that. That was bullshit. I gave her a hit that I shouldn't have given her. God. But anyway, we're going to get to that um, very soon. But that is just the tip of the iceberg of Joe Rowling. (laughs) Oh, yeah. She has... So much stuff has just kind of flown under the radar for years and years and years because, you know, um, you know, from, you know, anti-Semitic stereotypes to um, the whole thing about, oh, I, her sort of like um, backtracking on being like, oh, yeah, I totally envisioned Hermione as black when she very specifically said that Emma Watson's casting was perfect as what she imagined in her mind. Um, yeah, it's so it's because of Cursed Child and um, the casting of a black actress in that role, um, who I've seen clips of her. She's very good. She is very good for like an older Hermione, and it makes complete sense that um, uh, I I always like upon rereading the book, like as an adult. You kind of realize how it's incredibly easy to interpret Her- uh, Hermione as like at, le- at the very least a mixed race character, if absolutely, not, if not a black character. Yeah. Um, I mean, and that's the thing is with 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 any novel in general, though, they'll always involve like base descriptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, like The Hunger Games does that. There's there, like general descriptions of a character. You know, long hair, dark hair, dark eyes, and they never use specific words or like colors. I think for certain authors. Because the more specific the language, I think for some people it becomes too hard to picture because at that point you're you're trying to create the very specific image that's in the author's head. And for Joe Rowling, I mean, at least when I read Harry Potter that many years ago, I, I mean, I had the pictures on the cover to go off of, but for any character that wasn't on the cover, so for instance, the Weasley family, you know, I had the general ideas of their heights and the way they looked and things like that in my head. Same thing with Malfoy, same thing with McGonagall, same thing with Hagrid. Exactly. You know, you um, the way they're described are not necessarily how they are in the filmic versions or in the play version. 
um, with Cursed Child, which is a piece of garbage. Um, anyway. <laughs> and that's just one of the many issues with this, uh, I think, outside of the books in general. Because, like, we're talking about, when we say, like, we're taking a hot take on the fan, it's not It's not that, like, we're going to, like, de- de- desiccate. I keep saying desiccate. <laughs> you, you just really want to just get it. I just there, really like that word. Um, no, it's not like we're going to just rip apart each section of, of each Harry Potter book and movie and say what's wrong with it. It's more about what, what Harry Potter has become in the last... It was the last book was released in two thousand and seven, right? Two thousand seven, yes. And then the last movie came out in two thousand and twelve. So in the eleven, eleven. Oh my god! Don't say that, Hillary. (laughs) Sorry. Um, But I mean, in the in the preceding almost ten years since uh, the last movie, and the over ten years since the last book, the fandom has just become something that. I mean, I'm going to blame entirely on Joe Rowling because I just truly cannot wrap my head around what that fandom has become. In if you are uh, if you are a uh, big follower of Dear Fandom, you will um, go and if not, uh, skip forward to uh, or skip back to our um, first episode about Harry Potter, in which I talk about death of the author, which is something that Joe Rowling is incredibly bad at. Um, <laughs> it is it is t- it is a time when you need to say because okay, so with a say a piece of art or a piece of writing. It's never really finished. You know, it is finished when you're like, okay, I have to step away from this and admit that it's done because you can edit something to death mm-hmm. and you can add elements and take away elements and you, you can just um, whittle something down until it's nothing or you can build something up until it's like like 3,000 pages long, you know, like yeah. uh, George R. R. Martin, you can like write a tome like that and you know and even that fandom basically what happened with that fandom just to give you just to give the audience i mean they're game of thrones fans um i mean at least jk rowling was kind enough to complete her series and then decide to like the movies were being released but she was able to complete the series before the movies finished whereas george r R. martin was like i'm not done with these books and then uh the the tv show ended and the entire fandom was like well i'm uh i'm not into game of thrones anymore anybody else in the world into game of thrones and everyone else in the world was like nope none of us anymore (laughs) well joe rowling um she was a billionaire at one point and she gave away a lot of her money to charity which is really admirable i gotta say like you know she did give back which is something that not a lot of billionaires do yeah and it wasn't through like their own foundations which is essentially a way of just pocketing your own money like transferring it from transferring it from one purse to another exactly exactly (laughs) um you know, she like gave it away, so she became a multimillionaire instead. But she missed that. She sure did miss that money. And um, she came up with Pottermore as a way to. Um, oh my God, a- are we about to hear some hot dirt on Pottermore? Because oh, let me just tell you, Pottermore, I, I'm very excited for this. Pottermore changed from what it used to be. Um, Pottermore I thought it was have- just a sorting hat, to be honest. <laughs> no, it's not just the sorting hat, though. The sorting hat is really cool. Um, I, of course, signed up for Pottermore as a grown-ass woman. Um, because, well, I wasn't a grown I was, like, a young woman. Yeah. Um, I'm a grown-ass woman now. I was, like, a young woman back then. So. <laughs> Small distinction. There's a few years between the two. Yes, yes. There's nearly a decade between yes. the two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be 29. Okay. <laughs> so, um... There's, um, there, it used to be sort of a read-along, like a read-along of the book, um, where, in which you'd, like, learn little tidbits about, like, certain passages of the book, you'd, you'd get, you'd unlock certain backstories of characters, you'd, um, 
you'd get like just insider clues and it used to be very exclusive and now anybody can join it's basically like a gaming forum and like really it really sucks now i mean i remember when pottermore came out i like you had to like register with an email and then they'd send you the link at some point to sign up for pottermore send you the link at some point and you would get just a randomly generated username it was yeah you couldn't choose that shit yeah, it was like Holly Oak 47 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you could figure out your wand type. You could figure out your Patronus. You could figure out your um, your house. And yes. the house quiz was really interesting because it was very abstract. And I, um, I remember picking all of the, in true Ravenclaw fashion, picking all of the... Um, these things that I knew would get me into Hufflepuff house because I wanted to know what their dorm looked like. Um, and and then retaking it with a different account to get into Ravenclaw. Um, and, um, yeah, this, this was me, but it, um, Joe released some cool stuff, but she also, um, she released, uh, Harry Potter's like family backstory, because there was a lot this is this is this is the beginning of not the beginning but this is sort of like the height of her interfering with fandom interpretation of stuff um it didn't stop with hermione being black you know which again perfectly plausible considering her description of the book do you mind if i take a guess as to what this was what okay so i remember years ago when, like, she was, like, there was this comic, uh, I think it's by Adam Tots, the guy who does, who used to draw for BuzzFeed, and, like, oh, she was yeah. going on a tangent, and she's, like, Dumbledore loves getting pegged in the back alleys, and I remember, like, the entire r- world was, like, this is a lot of information about uh, Michael Gambon. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was not about that, though. That is hilarious. <laughs> oh, I mean, listen, I-, I love the idea of somebody just, like, going ham on Twitter, like, about their most popular piece. Like, I love the idea of joe rolling doing that but i also want to see that exact same idea for like i don't know like like she, somebody no, like she went she went ham on twitter about something else which is truly disgusting but i'm going to get to a more oh yes go ahead do a more serious matter and then get to that because that's that's truly a uh, that is a thing um so this is about and i have mentioned this in previous episodes harry being of desi sort of um desi descent being of South Asian descent, or at least half, because Lily was white, obviously, but um, uh, James Potter was of unknown ethnic origin. And um, there, uh, I wish I had done more research when before um, before uh, coming to this podcast today, because uh, there's a derivation of um, uh, Potter. Uh, Potter is like a derivation of a um, of an Indian last name. Like like in like an anglization of an Indian last name, and it would make sense. Uh, you and I were talking off the podcast about yes. um, uh, br- the British Indian population, so that would yeah. make a lot of sense. I mean, some of I mean, uh, just a quick quick sidebar is that uh, so Ben Kingsley, which I, I know this sounds absolutely idiotic that I could not remember this. I saw Gandhi in high school, and I was like, why did they dress up this white dude as an Indian man? And then, much to my surprise, eight and a half years later, I went, oh, Ben Kingsley is not, oh, shit, I'm sorry, Ben. <laughs> yeah, he's, just, he's just pale, but he is Indian. He actually <laughs> is, and that's something that, like, and he changed his name specifically so he would blend in more with a, a, a more British, uh, like, group. 
specifically. Yeah. And there was a whole there was a whole like fandom theory that James Potter's family did the same thing. I mean, it makes sense. There's literal precedent for it in the history of of uh, Britain. Yeah. So Joe Rowling decided to. She was like, "Oh, you think he's uh, not white? You think he's not really? Oh, let's just go and created this whole backstory that neatly tied their like tied up their heritage as being white." And it was really backhanded and really sort of a slap in the face to, like, any sort of fandom creativity. And it was just one example of, um, it was just one example of, um... Joe trying to maintain ownership over stories that she didn't write about with regards to her characters. Exactly, exactly. Sorry, somebody was FaceTiming me. I was like, like, okay, five minutes. I was like, absolutely not. So, um... I, uh, so the one thing that she went ham about that's kind of probably, uh, Adam, Adam Ellis was sort of basing that on. Yeah. Was she said before indoor, I cannot believe this, like. Oh, I know this one. Okay. Yes. Okay. We're gonna, we're gonna go. Okay. Before indoor plumbing was invented, wizards would just shit on the floor and then magic it away. (laughs) I just imagine, um, so one of the things I did learn on the Pottermore quiz was that I found out Merlin was a Slytherin, and the only reason I found that out was because I took the quiz fucking twice, because I was a Slytherin the first time, and I'm like, no, I'm not. Obviously, I'm a small cinnamon roll, and I am a Hufflepuff, and I love food, and then I took it again, and it's like, nah, bitch, you're a Slytherin, and I'm like, I, oh. Okay. To be fair, I think you were a Slytherin back in college, and I don't think you are one now, but, um. Well, to be fair, I mean, that's, that's I mean, this is, I guess, uh. That's the thing about, like, personalities. Like, I definitely, like, in high school, like, elementary into high school, I would have been, uh, like, in the years that Harry would have been in school, I have no idea what I would have been. Maybe a Hufflepuff, possibly a Ravenclaw. Um, definitely would have been a Slytherin. But then again, college, you're, like, out of wizard school. So, like, I would have gone to, like, some class reunions of a bunch of Hufflepuffs and been like, what's up, bitches? <laughs> For real. Um... So uh, that was just uh, that was probably the like the kind of I mean he 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 posts wild stuff all the time but that was like that's an example of her just being wild and then oh God and then there was the Harry Hermione thing which was her making this public statement being like being like Harry and Hermione were a much better couple and you know they were they were really meant for each other and I wish that I hadn't just gone with this little sentimental idea of her being with Ron and I was like you shut your mouth (laughs) so here's my issue with like okay so yeah Joe Rowling is just somebody who can't leave well enough alone with regards to her own creative endeavors like there are plenty of painters and you know sculptors and many visual artists who will be talked like their their works will be talked about by the general public there's there'll be a discourse whatever and somebody will be like, oh, it means this to me. And somebody will be like, no, it means this. And then there'll they'll be an argument along those lines. But at no point, I mean, like, yes, the painter or the sculptor or the visual artist may come forward and be like, oh, this is what I meant. But more oftentimes than not, they usually don't make a statement because um, interpretation is all up to the reader or the viewer or who, who what have you. And uh, so, like, and that's, I think, that, that preserves... I think the author's or the artist's image in a lot of minds, because the less an artist or author talks about their uh, their their, scri- their scriptures, their masterpieces, the, the more I think it becomes a, a topic of conversation between people. And it, instead of saying, "Well, this is a definitive fact," by Joe Rowling going back and like just backtracking on everything that the fandom likes or or can interpret in a different way, it just comes across as very like. 
Like, I know it, it sounds weird to say gatekeeping because she, like, made the gate, but um, but it's just, it, it makes no sense. Like, just let your fandom enjoy it. Like, I'm certain that if somebody went up, like, if somebody were alive and went up to J.R.R. Tolkien and was like, listen, Sam and Frodo are a little gay. Like, I'm not trying to tell them that they're gay, but they're a little gay. Like, he'd probably be like, all right, whatever. I'm going to go smoke 16 cigarettes in a row. Um, <laughs> smoke 16 cigarettes in a row and call C.S. Lewis a furry. Exactly. This same thing like with c.s lewis if you like were to say something like listen uh i get that you're trying with this jesus imagery it's not really coming along too strong because it's going more in the incest route and you like imagine he'd be like what the fuck is like that's the thing is i think by authors you know dying and their series living on in, in you know in perpetuity like chronicles of narnia like lord of the rings like or, slash the hobbit they can't come back and be like listen all of your takes are wrong this is what i meant yeah. and joe rolling absolutely does not want to die, whether in a literal or figurative sense, in terms of leaving that work alone and just letting the fans have at it. Because it's gone. It's done. She All she can do now is continue to release weird, shitty movies that uh, about some some guy in New York, I guess? Like, with a lot of animals? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no. It, the, the sort of... The sort of weird takes on... Um, I, I'm now now you got me thinking about Fantastic Beasts and how and she is and she's like reeling because uh, the second Fantastic Beasts performed very poorly at the box office yeah which is like crazy because the first one performed very well um I think it's people realizing like the fandom realizing like oh like they went to the first one because they were like this is gonna be great the same thing with Curse of Child like they were like this is gonna be great and then they watched it and they were like the acting is awesome magic on stage is cool but if I read this I'm gonna have to put it down because it's terrible I read the whole thing because I wanted to give it a chance and I wish I hadn't she should have just left well enough alone I didn't need to know about them as adults and the okay. plot of it is so stupid to, I, I've, I've not like read it Vold, I've not Vold, seen it Voldemort has a daughter and yeah that's the big spoiler sorry guys for um, me the biggest spoiler was that the, the plot of the, mo the movie the plot of the play is that uh what's it called Harry's kid and Ron's kid or Harry well, Harry's kid and Ron, Ron and Hermione's Harry's, kid Harry's and Draco's kid become oh, BFFs that's it yes and, and they go little, back in time right yeah a little they go back in time. A little Scorpius is like a cinnamon roll buttercup, and um, <laughs> he's so he's very cute. He's the best part of the play. Um, so and it's uh, it's so weird. But um, okay, so we're gonna we're gonna like kind of transition into like transformative works um, because I really want to cover this because I mentioned Anne Rice earlier. Yeah. And for and this kind of goes hand in hand with how Anne Rice and sort of how um how joe rowling feels about her work she wants ultimate control Anne rice put cease and desists on fan fiction like back in the day like she would write people letters like from her lawyers and be like hey i know you wrote about lestat and louis fucking and true but you need to not <laughs> because i will sue you yeah but that's and, the thing is it's, it's a transformative work therefore it's no longer covered by uh, uh what's it called it's copywriter i think that isn't that it and no it's, it's um uh, fan fiction is uh, just as long as you wrote a disclaimer. It's yeah, like fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like which most people people wrote disclaimers. Exactly. And now, um, and now the kind of the fan fiction laws have changed, and like especially with archive of our own, which is like a very very large fan fan fiction. Um, uh, not collective is not the the right word. Like collection. Yes. Yes. There we go. Um, 
it's uh, the laws have changed, sort of, and the, through transformative works, you can you can like take creative license, and like the authors can't really do much about it. Oh, so they've become even a little bit more uh, towards the to the side of the fan fiction authors. Yes, exactly. So um, now it's cool, but back when the biggest Harry Potter fan fictions were being written. Like, um, there was a lot of, and as is natural, because the Harry Potter fan base skewed female, um, and skewed yeah. old, like, like, col- kind of college-age female, because yeah. they were growing up with the books. Exactly. Um, like, we were the target audience. So yeah. we, we, us, and, like, girls that were, like, a few years older than us. Yeah. So, um, they were writing, like, slash fan fiction, and, like, primarily, like, Harry Draco, or, like, you know, Rima Sirius. Rima Sirius was a big pairing. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, because there is... I'm I'm a wolf starshipper. I got like I, I will preface like this yeah. with saying that I am. And, uh, like she's like full disclaimer. Full, um. full, full disclaimer. I am a Rima Sirius shipper. I do think there is a like a lot of validity to that relationship. I think it was written as romantic, but she, in retaliation to the onslaught of Rima Sirius, like Marauders fan fiction, wrote. Um, Remus to be with Tonks and like killed Sirius off. So, like, I, I, okay. So actually, this is this is actually something that happened. So I'm uh, years ago. I was into this uh, anime called D Gray Man, and uh, it's not, not that the plot really matters, but there were these two characters, Alan and Conda. And uh, now I don't know if like like I guess slash fan fiction is just something that exists in every fandom where there's less women than there are men. So you're just like everyone's gay. Like the same thing with Kingdom Hearts. You're like everyone's gay here. Are there women? No, 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 no. They're basically statues at this point. Everyone's no, and, gay. And like most and a lot of and a lot of women who are writing this stuff are attracted to guys. So oh yeah. They like find that like to be appealing, you know, exactly. it's just a natural Well, it's aesthetically it. pleasing to see a beautiful person with a beautiful person regardless of if they're a man and a woman, a woman and a woman Ex- or a man and a man. Exactly, but I like, you know, like it's it's great to see two of what you like together. You know? Oh yeah. So getting back to the comparison from J.K. Rowling to this person, I think her name is Yukatase. She was getting a lot of uh, uh, fan art. So this was this wasn't the fan fiction. This was fan art, and it was just like pictures of like Conda and Alan like canoodling, snuggling, making out, fucking each other, what have you. She refused to sign it, and then um, so she was they they it, this this uh, this anime had gone on for like ten years. Like there were a lot of hiatuses, but uh, she finally pulled the plug on the anime because uh, one of the animation studios. Now she didn't animate it. She created the manga, and uh, and then they. Uh, what's it called and the, from the manga they made the anime but uh, there was an image of Alan and Kanda like kind of laying down not really next to each other but in kind of an erotic looking way like Kanda was injured he had a bandage on he had like his stomach exposed and the mangaka was like this is gay I hate it and she like <laughs> she pulled the plug entirely on the production and they had to cancel the anime and that sounds exactly like like, it just, it's it, the only reason, um, like, she did that was because she had no creative control over the anime. Whereas with J.K. Rowling, she absolutely had creative control over the books, which is why she was able to, like, see these fan fictions, see this pairing and go, this is bullshit, I don't like this, and therefore had Tonks as a character. Yeah, and Tonks wasn't, like, you can tell, like, reading from Order of the Phoenix to Half-Blood Prince that Tonks wasn't necessarily supposed to be Remus's love interest. It's very shoehorned in. It's very, you know, like... Oh, yeah, it made no sense to me. I, when I it, saw... When I when you told me that, because I, I gave up uh, right after Order of the Phoenix, guys, so just 
That's my disclaimer. It's okay. Harry yelled a lot. Like it's that's not a. It's okay. <laughs> at some point, at some point, it ended. Um, but uh, when I found out about Tonks and Remus, I was like, okay, all right. Um, like I was just, it was just the oddest pairing. I feel like she just grabbed two characters who were kind of close in age and like just like I, I mean to be honest I didn't feel the same way with Floor and Bill because their relationship had been established prior to uh the the last book I believe yeah no the um, Floor and Bill were at least like uh two two or three books in I think <laughs> Um, yeah, I believe, um, because after, after Goblet of Fire, Floor was again in, I think, either Order of the Phoenix or Half-Blood Prince. She was and, involved. Yeah, and uh, she was only really incidental in the sense that she was Bill's girlfriend, because Ron was constantly talking about it. That's what I loved, was Ron was like, Floor's here. And you're like, okay, sweet boy, my sweet, sweet child, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Your brother is Don Gleason. Anyway... So, oh yeah, hey, what's up, Dom? Huh? How you doing? <laughs> uh, so, um, so yeah, um, things with with transformative works, it was like kind of a different thing back back then. But instead of but instead of doing like kind of regular old cease and desists, which probably would have been like, which would have been shitty, but would have but like wouldn't have necessarily like changed the she just changed the canon entirely. And the only gay character in the book. She, like, totally retconned the narrative years later. It was like, oh, yeah, Dumbledore was gay the whole time. Why didn't you guys see it? And, of course, he's celibate for the entire book. He's celibate for, like, 50 years, and he falls in love with a bad guy. Like, what a great example, Joe. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's the thing, is that at the end of the day, like, like representation in, in, in pop culture matters, absolutely. And it's, it's important specifically with not just regards to like different races and nationalities and stuff like that but also with regards to different sexualities because you know it's it's just like when a kid reads something they want to be able to see different characters and different kinds of personalities and different kinds of people and they want to be able to pick their favorite based on a wide variety not based on three different shades of lily white straight people yeah it's like and it's like there are there are a whole host of problems like she like tries for diversity and like fails at it miserably like Cho Chang is two last names from different cultures. That's correct. That is correct. And it's not specified like what type of Asian she is like what ethnicity of Asian she is. I, she's East Asian. We know that. But we don't know like where she's from <laughs> yeah that's i mean and that's one of well the thing is i like cho mo mostly because she's like one of three ravenclaws that are in the entirety of the book um yeah. and uh i think what i just with, with the reason um i didn't like her in the movie was because uh i just felt that and that's not the fault of the actress it's just that her character was not fleshed out in like any sense of the word she just was there she was in a relationship with cedric even though they had zero chemistry at all uh, and then she, like, had, like, the weirdest, wettest, awkwardest kiss with Daniel Radcliffe. And then out she went. Bye-bye. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that was great. Oh, look at Luna's a lot better. Um, because Luna was a fully fleshed out character. And also, the one benefit of the Harry Potter fandom is that they cast somebody in the fandom as Luna. Yep. And that truly... 
I mean, it, it changed. I think that's why every scene with Luna was just so much stronger than like a lot of the other scenes that, that you know, it, it kind of, not that, not that the movies dragged in any way, but I feel like Luna's scenes stood out to me very particularly. Like Reese Iffens had to really work hard to get on point with fucking um, Ivana Lynch, you know? And that's what I love is when you have somebody like Ivana Lynch, she definitely created this character in her head. And she's like, I love Luna. She made her own turnip earrings, all this stuff. And then you have Reese Iffens, who's a gigantic, you know, powerhouse of an actor. And he's like, oh, I've got to act like somebody who could father this person. And that's and that's beautiful. Like, I think that's amazing. That's something that's really strong on behalf of Ivana. Yeah, no, I think that um, I think that's the beautiful benefit of the fandom. I think the fandom has done like so much good and like so much there's so much awesomeness like within our fandom and a lot of people are like with the recent revelations of, you know, Joe being a huge tro uh turf. Um I was gonna say like troll, but she is a troll. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, she's, she's that too, so both yeah. apply. Um you know, we've all been kind of banded together and been like, okay. Though, I gotta say, there's some, there are stupid people who are like, I don't know who authored Harry Potter. It's just a blank page. I'm like, you're 30, and I think you can handle the fact that a shitty person authored your favorite book. Like, yeah. please grow up. Like, it's, That's the thing is, um, I mean, this is what we were talking about uh, in prior episodes that, you know, just because you know, maybe the person who wrote the thing or starred in the thing ended up not being good. Like, I, I I, was a big Kevin Spacey fan, and after all the shit hit the fan with him, I could not really enjoy any of his films. It was just something where I was too attached to who Kevin Spacey was as a person, and I felt that his roles were just so tied intrinsically, like, he was so tied intrinsically to his roles that I couldn't really enjoy them anymore. But... I mean, if we're going to talk about someone who also is problematic that I, I guess I can enjoy, um, uh, that's, that's difficult. <laughs> well, I guess I guess I can say something like, I I mean, I know, for instance, like, it's diff it's really difficult to pick I, out something specific. Do you I know? Think the, I think the emotional whiplash we sort of um, experience with Johnny Depp, who is attached to the Harry Potter fandom in some yes. way, is probably a great example of this because, like, he was, we were like, we, we loved him in roles and he was really handsome. He was a lot of girls' first crushes. And yeah. then, you know, he was accused of abuse by his, you know, his ex-wife. And we were all like, oh, God, like, what do we do? Like, it's hard to, like, it like, leaves bad taste in your mouth. And then it suddenly revealed that, like, he was the abused one. And you're yeah. just like, what? What's going on? See, so for, for like, for Johnny Depp specifically, I... I've worked in a divorce lawyer's office. My parents have been divorced. I've seen a lot of divorce in my life. And divorce is really not one of these things where there's a completely right party and there's a completely wrong party. It's very, very muddled and very, very skewed in almost every single way. And, um, and like, I guess just at the, you know, I never voiced my opinion strongly in support of Johnny Depp because it's, it's hard to say something like, I don't think he did it because it's, there is, there is definitely like, I, I get the 30 year old people who are just like, I, it doesn't have an author. I love the, just acknowledge, yeah, J.K. Rowling's a kind of piece of shit person, but yeah, I love the book. And if, if with like Johnny Depp, like saying something like, well, I don't believe, you know, I don't have the full story and I can't take sides because I was not in this marriage, nor did I live in that house. That's an, a just as fair of an answer. However, J.K. Rowling and Johnny Depp were absolutely like in terms of, because J.K. Rowling came out in support of Johnny Depp and, and that was kind of weird, but 
I, I remember, like, the fandom was definitely up in arms about that situation and that decision. She's like, nope, we're going to continue to have him as Grindelwald in all of the future films. And everyone's like, how can you support this person? And now the narrative is completely, how can we support J.K. Rowling? Exactly. It's, it's not like, it's, and I feel like that kind of brings us to, like, this big kahuna of what's going on with with J.K. Rowling, which is, you know, she, for years, has been building up to the fact that she's a trans-exclusionary radical feminist. And mm-hmm. it is in this letter that she wrote, which I read, um, she used the tired... Uh, her argument was sort of based on, um, like, two things. That, um, that people, like... Um, People, I'm going to use the terms that she used. Um, that people who are like like female, biologically female, I guess, mm-hmm. um, transition to escape womanhood, and that um, people um, all like all <laughs> trans women are predators who want to rape women in bathrooms or want to rape cis women in bathrooms, oh which is so. I know it's so tired. It's so. The thing is, nothing in this life, nothing in this entire world is that black and white. That's the equivalent of me saying, like, every short dude has a has a Napoleon complex and he gets angry at every woman ever because they won't fuck him. And then, like, and then I look at myself and I'm like, oh, yeah, my husband is nine inches shorter than me. So it's obviously not true. Making gigantic, broad, sweeping generalizations that, like... Every trans person is just trying to escape something or is a predator or whatever. It's just such ignorant bullshit. I'm where like, it, And it comes from a place of just... I, I feel like it's just inflammatory for the sake of being inflammatory yeah, at this point. Because, like, uh, she, she made a big stink about the whole people who menstruate thing. Mm-hmm. Which is ridiculous. Because... Not all women menstruate. I just want to say no. I'm I'm uh, 30 weeks pregnant and I haven't menstruated in 30 weeks. So uh, technically, I mean, my mom's 64. She hasn't menstruated in 10 years. That was that was the point that I was just about to make. You know, like not every woman menstruates, and not every person who menstruates is a woman. Exactly. So, you know, like, and she was like, some some I know some women who would be offended by calling by being called a, like a person who menstruates. I'm like, fucking grow up. Like, I don't know what to tell I feel- you. I feel like, you know, it's, listen, if, if you're, if you're in a conversation, and this is where the issue comes in with, with uh, Joe, is that she is a public figure. So pe- when she voices an opinion, there will be people who will disagree, absolutely, but there will be people who listen and agree and feel incensed and like empowered by shit like that. Or, and even the, even on the third hand, there are going to be people who are trans who listen to this and, and hear her words and, and are just hurt so deeply. Mm-hmm. Because this is their hero. This is their idol. Maybe there's someone who's an author who's writing their own magical girl fairy tale and it's just going to destroy them inside. And Joe has no idea what her words can do. When you are that big, when you are that powerful, your words hold so much more power than someone like you or I, for instance, where like if we say something on the street and somebody doesn't disagree, they can walk past and go, wow, I fucking hate them or whatever. And they don't need to feel like, you know, that, that they're being, you know, that's the thing is, I feel like in general, you and I both try to, like, we don't, we don't have necessarily, like, the same point of view on everything, but I think in terms of encompassing views, 
you are you are a person you are valid you are alive you are allowed to your thoughts if you like if you if you are trans you are absolutely and totally 100% whatever you identify as and that goes in general for everyone exactly like if you feel as though you like if you feel as though you are a woman you are and that's that's it but you know identity is a personal exploration that's what it is at the end of the day yeah exactly and also like it's help like it's healthy for uh she kind of makes a point um the whole like escaping womanhood um quote-unquote uh aspect of like transitioning or whatever or trying yeah. like trying on genders or whatever yeah, it's like absolutely. it's healthy it's healthy to question your gender if you decide oh i am cisgender after all you know that's not necessarily a bad thing that's you learning something about yourself and And i also think she's conflating womanhood with femininity exactly it's not it's like being i'm a gender i've never considered myself a particularly feminine woman you know but i'm still a woman like exactly because that's that's again it's 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 identity at its core and like i i think that's where the main crux of the issue lies is that she's conflating masculinity and femininity specifically with male and female and man and woman and that's truly not how we operate as a society anymore like i love lifting weights i think muscular women are the hottest pieces of shit in the planet but like there's no way that like there's definitely some people who would disagree with me and go muscular women look masculine and i'd look at them and go i think muscular women look super feminine but whatever you know yeah exactly you know it's um you're the fact that you're and she she sort of she brings in her own history of abuse as um, uh, her own history of abuse as a reason why um, transgender women should not be allowed to use uh, the same public restrooms as cisgender women. She talks a lot about restrooms. Like they're all obsessed with people with going to the bathroom for some reason. I don't know why. Pee fetish? I don't know. I don't know. Like, I swear to God, I have been in so many different bathrooms, in so many different bars, in New York, in New Jersey, and everywhere else, in Tennessee, in Atlanta, and, like, at no point, and I've been pissed drunk in half of them at least, maybe, like, 78% if I had to guess, but at no point did I ever feel like, like... Like, I I don't know. I, I just, I can't, I cannot relate to the idea that if, if I was sharing a bathroom with, you know, anyone that I felt endangered with regards to what they looked like. If I was in a bathroom by myself and, like, you know, it was dark at night and it was a rest stop on the side of the road and I was by myself, then yeah, yeah, that's that's where I feel danger. Like, you're just like, oh my God, someone could come in at any moment and I don't know who it's going to be yeah, if it's going to be a murderer. I've been to I've been to a million like gay bar bathrooms and people are way more occupied with each other than they are with me. And exactly. That's I mean, fine. It's not it's not something that like my my college before I left they uh, made gender neutral bathrooms. They they made the change to gender neutral bathrooms. I I want to say in like 2012 2013. And originally girls were really afraid to go in them. Uh, like a lot of people it was they were just like okay it's you know what it's just boy bathrooms. And the reason they switched to gender neutral was because uh, the female population of my college was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and um and they wanted and they just there were longer lines at the bathroom and they just wanted to accommodate people so they were like well guys don't have to do anything like they'll be fine. So like I I use them and to be honest most of the reaction back in the, back then was like the guy would just see a girl come in and go and like just like huddle towards the urinal like oh god she's gonna see my dick <laughs> exactly I mean you know 
I think I think it's there's there's just a heavy sexualization of what the fuck people think is going on in bathrooms, and I promise you that that if that is happening, it is people who are consenting adults who are having sex in a bathroom, hopefully. And if it's not consenting, you're gonna get your like somebody will get involved. Hopefully, Jesus Christ! If you see if you hear someone screaming in a bathroom, get the fuck in there and find out what's going on. Yeah, exactly, and um. Yeah, like, she she wants to cite, like, her own history, like, as an abuse victim. Like, she's like, I was abused by my husband and all this stuff. And I gotta say, like, as a a victim of abuse, as a person who was abused in multiple ways in my life, you know, I'm not afraid of a transgender woman who she's just trying to use the bathroom. I'm afraid Mm -hmm. of a man. Like, Like, a cisgender man. That's who I'm afraid of. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, speaking of people who have been canceled, Louis C.K. does have a really good joke about how me- the number one killer of men is heart disease, the number one killer of women is men. Is men. <laughs> I mean, as, as much of a fucking weird, creepy motherfucker as he is, it's a fair joke because it's true. Yeah, it's so, the whole thing is just, she's gotten herself into a lot of hot water and she's getting a lot of clicks and a lot of shares and she, she's, not al- she's not allowing people to reply to the tweet she's disabled replying so people have to retweet it so it gets more traction because she's a fucking evil conniving bitch and um it's it's a shame because the biggest shame though is i think at the end of the day her fans her big fans are suffering especially those who are nb or trans or or kind of questioning and it's just something that you're 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 doing a disservice to every fan of yours in the world who finds there something beautiful within the Harry Potter universe by spouting your own personal views. Like it's it's it takes so little effort to just keep your opinions to yourself as a big public figure and to only speak on matters when it's something that has to do with like, you know, Black Lives Matter is absolutely something that, that every celebrity should be voicing support towards. Oh, and she said nothing about that. Exactly. This bitch wants to talk about how she's afraid for for herself in the bathroom because her husband was abusive to her, which is conflating two things that aren't related. And uh, she doesn't want to voice any support for a movement of people that have been persecuted against, murdered and killed for centuries, millennia. And it's that's where it's that's where you you've got to as a person and a fan. That's where you've got to divorce the two. Your favorite books are still your favorite books. If your favorite author is no longer your favorite author due to her personal views, that is fine. That doesn't make your books bad. Your, your the love of those books bad. But it's important, like, in the fandom to not defend J.K. Rowling because she wrote your favorite books, but and not to erase what she's saying because she wrote your favorite books. You have to hold her to account. Yeah, and you have to, you have to examine your role as a critical fan and realize the fact that there are elements in these books that are not kosher not cool like a lot like a lot of things are like the goblins are rough as hell like there's shylock all over the place there you know yeah like um that's that's shakespeare with shylock you know just 101 Mm -hmm. um among among the i mean like the these house elves are an example of like you know the patriot Esque slavery. Oh, we're we we're free. we want to work here. Yeah, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I mean, at the end of the day, she has one of the the the, the villains of the books and the movies. The Death Eaters are just straight up an analogy for Nazis. Oh, the Death Eaters. 
We have yet to talk about the Death Eaters. We do have yet to talk about the Death Eaters. I mean, we can. what we can do is we can dedicate, like, an additional episode just talking about specific issues with fandom. And, like, I knew people back in the day, they would get the temporary tattoos of the Death Eater symbol on their arm. And as a not a fan of Harry Potter, um, I was just like, man, everyone really likes Draco Malfoy here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I will, I will discuss fan culture and fan tattoos and like that sort of those sort of elements of it and fan dumb f-a-n-d-u-m-b this episode was far more serious than i intended it to be i thought it was going to be full of laughs and jokes but like we really got in we really got into some serious like i you know what i i want to say that like the fandom, the fandom, and I mean the people, like, within the fandom, they're they're fun to make fun of because, you know, when you're part of the fandom, it's easier to make fun of it. When you're taking a critical look at the creator, uh, it's hard to go, well, J.K. Rowling's a dumb bitch and I hate her, and say it as a joke because you're like, oh, that wasn't a joke, oh, that, that it wasn't was a true. joke, that was, that was true. So, and that's, and that's the, the issue at the end of the day is that she's done a gigantic disservice to herself, her fans, and her literary works because she has to sit there, dig her feet into the sand, and go, this is what I believe and you can't change my beliefs. I don't give a shit what your beliefs are. Just keep them to yourself. I under, like, And I understand that there, for some people, you can argue and argue and argue and argue and you they will never change their mind. And it is no point wasting your breath to try and convince old people that they're wrong. Because I can tell you, it's just not going to happen. You cannot convince someone who is over the age of 50 that they're ever wrong. It's just not a real thing. And I think with Joe, just the best way to treat her as a creator is to just ignore her at this point. Continue the discourse about Harry and continue the discourse about the different relationships and Bill and Fleur and, and you know, Remus and Sirius and talk about all that stuff. But you don't need to encourage, like, because the more, like you said, the more traction she gets, the more incensed she feels and the more she's going to try and talk shit. Yeah, no, she, she senses the fact that she is, like, becoming less relevant in the public eye, especially in the wake of... Um, Fantastic Beasts 2 Electric Boogaloo not doing as well. Um, they didn't have enough Electric Boogaloo dances. They did not have <laughs> It was breaking too. Um, <laughs> um, there was, yeah, there's not nearly enough break dancing. Um, uh, not nearly enough uh, Dan Fogler. I wanted to say Josh Gad, but. <laughs> Dan Fogler appears and goes, Thank you for the compliment, and then disappears <laughs> into the darkness. Flies <laughs> into the darkness. But, um,. But yeah, so uh, thank you guys so much for listening to this, uh, uh, to a very special episode of Dear Fandom. And we'll be back soon with uh, part two of this, which is discussing specifically uh, HP stands. Yes, uh, that will be a much that will be a much more whimsical episode because I have many stories from my time in the fandom. Oh, I'm so excited for it! I went to a Harry Potter night with Hillary once for Rocky Horror. Oh my God, it's great! I love it so much. Yes. All right. Well, please stay safe. Um, by the time this is released, um, we're not sure how uh, things are going to be doing, but. Uh, I'm pretty sure you'll still have to wear a mask, so yeah. wear a mask. <laughs> I'm, I'm certain that no matter when this is released, you guys will still 
probably be in the same situation that we currently are all in. So continue to, you know, wear a mask, wash your hands, use hand sanitizer. Uh, if you can, gloves are great. Um, they're just, they just help protect even further. Yes. So, all right. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.